I'm Chase. And I'm Timothy. And this is Customer Service. Good morning, Chase. How are we doing, Timothy? I'm fine. What's My brother. Pretty, pretty, pretty normal... Not a no, no. I'm gonna take that back. Not a normal day outside. It's snowing in March, bro. It was sixty. It I think it was sixty-seven at some point yeah. yesterday in the it sun. It teased us, and then yeah. now we're right back into stupid like January weather. Basically, can't fucking breathe, dude. It's got my nose. I know all... my my allergies. Everything's screwed up right now. I feel yeah. I, I feel like a low grade sick all the time. Yeah, but with no actual symptoms. Yeah. I mean, actually, earlier this week, bro, my, my throat was sore, head was throbbing, and it, it was just the temperature change, bro. Yeah. I so, yeah. I guess not a great day on that front. Not a great day outside, but it's a great day to be inside at the Canoe Club studio. <laughs> Look, he really turned it around. <laughs> Look at him. A real pro of the, yeah. of the audio media. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, and also we had a great guest today. Mm-hmm. I had our buddy Clayton on from the Spreza newsletter. Yeah. S P R E Z Z A. He's like, a, he's like another one of these figures where he's had blogs and, and worked with brands. And mm-hmm. like, if you follow this stuff closely, especially on the industry side, like he's a guy you've seen his name before. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that like that happens with some of these people. It's like these people that like I've known or known of for a while and it's been really cool to connect with them. In real life. And in this case, this began as like sort of a, a, a working relationship. Like we've got some cool stuff in the yeah. works that you guys will want to keep your eyes out for. But then, uh, you know, it was also like, yeah, well, let's have you on the pod too and get to know each other. And it was just, it was, it, this is really an episode of us just kind of very comfortable. Yeah. yeah. It felt very comfortable. He, he's a lot like us. I feel uh, small town yeah. kind of wiggled into clothing in some way. And yeah, we talked about like nostalgic music and shit and yeah, just, it was, it was a comfortable conversation, but yeah, he, and he, 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 I think he's got, and if you, I say this at the end, but I'm going to say it up front too. If you, if you're not sure where to get into newsletters at, uh, Espresso is a really good one. Yeah. I think he has really good opinions. He has really, it's, it, it's well thought out stuff. Um, good interviews, he, good guests. Yeah. I, I think you're, it's, it's really like, it's really, it's like a very down to earth and very well informed takes on things. Um, like I said, if you're looking, if you're looking for like a way in to get into newsletters and stuff, I, I really enjoy his and have for a while. So, um, I think without wasting any more time, let's get into yeah, it with, right uh, into with Clayton. It. Uh, cause it's a, it's a fun conversation. Yeah. All right, here we go. That's us zooming into the the main. I said it before. You always have to have <laughs> one more little thing. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I just want right, to so. do the sound effect one more time. Well, shit, bro. Uh, how's your morning? The morning was great, man. Um, doing a little research for an outdoor brand I cannot speak about, but... Uh, kind of at the intersection of like corpore outdoor stuff um outdoor style in general which is kind of a topic i've been pretty steeped in with the last yeah. i would say year or two uh, which is also something i'm sure you you both are pretty steeped in too so that's some, some of the brands and products that you sell so um was working yeah, on that especially being yeah. here hey, you got kids too right I have one kid. Uh, yeah, one his name kid. Is Nico. He's just turned one, so I'm I'm a new dad. Oh. Um, I come yeah, from man. a big family. I have uh, I have six older brothers. I have a younger sister. Um, so eight total. Oh yeah, Whoa. no kidding. <laughs> and then like all my brothers have siblings, or all my brothers have uh, you know handfuls of kids themselves. So uh, we'll we'll see how many 
we uh, we end up having. I've I've got this feeling yeah. that like you know I've, I've got the kid thing down. I'm you know been an uncle since I was like ten, eleven yeah. maybe. So. Oh, that's it's, cool. I think that's such a different experience. So, so I have a, I have a three-year-old that was my first kid. I've never, I have a sister who's four years younger than me, but like, I don't really remember like when she was a baby or anything to- like totally. that. Mm-hmm. And like, I didn't take care of her certainly. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, it's like, I just know, I knew nothing about kids. I was never around a kid really. It can until be, I had it one. can be a, a yeah. it can be a shock, man. Um, yeah. Like to, to a lot of people for, for me, like, growing up was just always noise and chaos and, uh, people everywhere. And so like a lot of that, like I just sort of a lot, a lot of the sort of temperament of like being around these environments, like it it doesn't really bother me as much, I would say, um, or wasn't much of an adjustment. And then there's like other stuff that obviously is, is an adjustment. Um, cause you get used to not, you know, you get used to having your own stuff for a while. Like we waited five years, before we ended up having our first kid. So like there was, there's a lot of life living and traveling and that kind of stuff without a kid. And then you do it with a kid and it, it, it adds like a layer of complexity, but like, you know, we've traveled with our kid already. He's gone to multiple countries. We're about to move to Amsterdam for a few months um, to test that out. Yeah. He's been on 20 flights. And so um, p- part of the like raising of a kid, I feel like has to do with like getting them acclimated, their nervous systems getting acclimated as early as possible. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, we, we just did that as a function of we, when we had a kid, we just, we had to go back home and see people. We went to, cause we are like our families live in Indiana yep. and we have a ton of friends and family in Chicago. So we did a lot of like back and forth kind of right away just cause we had, we had, we had there a bunch of weddings that happened. And so it was kind of the same thing where she'd been on a, a ton of flights before she was one, I think, yeah. <laughs> and then been on a ton since. And like, now it's like truly like, like, Oh, it must be tough traveling with a kid. I'm like, other than now she's old enough. I have to buy her a seat too. Yeah. It's very like, it's not a big deal. You know what not I mean? It's like, deal. she's no. chill. She knows what to do. And, yeah. uh, it, when it's fun, cause I don't think I, I didn't fly till I was like older, like, like not old, old, but like, I don't know, like 12. I don't think we ever yeah, flew yeah. anywhere or did anything because yeah. everyone was in one area. So we didn't have to, but it's like, it is interesting. Cause like, I, I always felt like, I did the same thing. I got married really young. I don't remember how long we'd been married when I, off the top of my head, how long we'd been married when we had her, but, uh, we had a a long time in between. But in that, in that time, like I was in bands and the guys from the bands lived with me through college. (laughs) And then there was college and people were in and out of this big house that we had with a bunch of people. Then we moved to Chicago and we were like a halfway house for people trying to move to the city for a long time. So like there was always like someone kind of living with us. And then when it was like, and then we had a, really big friend group in Chicago. Then we moved to Colorado where we didn't really know anybody. We were getting the business started and it was just her and I, and that's like around when it was like, Oh, I don't love, I'm realizing, I guess I thought it was like kind of an alone person. But as soon as like the house got like quieter, I was like, I don't love this to be honest with you. And like (laughs) our our cat had happened to like die and we had, we saw the dog, but it was just like, Oh man, I really don't like that. There's no chaos happening. And then when we had our kid, I'm like, now I'm back to, stasis like i like i like like you're saying i like that there's a lot going on it's fine by me (laughs) yeah yeah it's weirdly comfortable oh yeah the good the good chaos you sort of settle into it and and it becomes routine after a certain point i feel that 100 percent, 100 percent. um how did you get i guess i don't know this 100 percent, man how did you get into like doing what you do now were you were were you like a retail guy or you just and then you slowly get in there you just jump right in yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's funny, like the background, my background really is centered around a couple of different areas, right? First and foremost, clothing, fashion, apparel. 
sure. uh, number one. And number two, being, you know, at the intersection of like e-commerce and media. And so, you know, I went to college in New York City and that's where I sort of got my, uh, became an understudy, if you will, in the fashion space. Um, got to work at places like Barney's New York uh, mm-hmm. and Michael Kors, um, had internships at both of those spots and, and got to see the world from a buying and merchandising perspective, got to see it from, mm-hmm. you know, an editorial and creative perspective. And that for me sort of frames up how I see, you know, the consumer world, right. Cause I was like a teenager basically, um, working yeah, in yeah, these yeah. like heralded places at the time. And, and so cut my teeth there, started a blog in college during the, you know, height of, Tumblr and WordPress era, uh, when, when the sort of hashtag menswear stuff was being ushered in and, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, the blog was called brothers and craft. It was sort of a DIY take that me and my brothers launched, um, where we talked about vintage shopping and thrifting and, you know, um, wearing suits and all that kind of stuff. And it, it really quickly, you know, caught fire, um, on Instagram when, when Instagram was in its early days and, sort of rode that wave into the influencer movement. And so what started out as really like a hobby, you know, talking about clothes and menswear became like a business and we started making money off it and that's how we supported ourselves. And so got to go to trade shows and, you know, places like Vegas and New York and got to go to fashion shows uh, and, you know, went to Europe and consulted with brands on marketing and product strategies um, again, mostly in, in the menswear side of things. And so, yeah, I work with small brands all the way up to larger ones like J. Crew and Seven for All Mankind, and Tommy Hilfiger, that kind of stuff. And so it was it was a really kind of fun era. This was you know, early 20s at the time. And so um, ran that for a while, got burnt out, was working with family, which can sometimes be a little hairy, and shifted gears um, into startup land. Um, started working at some e-commerce startups. So that was kind of a career shift for me. Um, rode that way for a little while. And over the last couple of years, I've stepped away from working, uh, for, for, you know, other companies and have kind of taken on more of what I call like a free agent role. And so, uh, you know, I started Spreza early in the pandemic, which is, you know, my newsletter that I used to write about kind of the intersection of like clothing and culture and, you know, how styles intersect. And so, you know, the newsletter itself is really a mix of like curation, discovery and education. So it's, it's me recommending products and places to shop and stores to go to. Um, it's me sharing, you know, shopping guides for people to give them inspiration, you know, seasonally. And uh, it's sharing kind of knowledge of like people who have gone before, people who have influenced style or how certain uh, trends or genres have influenced, you know, what we wear today and that kind of stuff. So um, that, that's a little bit about me now. And then, and yeah, kind of on the side doing freelance work and brand strategy for, you know, consumer businesses at large. What do you think that like, I mean, that's like a lot of different avenues, you know what I mean? Like certainly. And I actually think that like, for me personally, the reason like this job and the style of job works for me is that like, I can do creative problem solving yeah. on a million different levels in any given day. Um, and that really like I, that, that's why I like it. It's so different every day and the problems are different and like the people you work with are, di- everything kind of changes a lot. And I like that. And it sounds like you obviously kind of like that too. Is there any area though that like you feel particularly passionate about? I mean, like you've got like the kind of the influencer right. and the social media side of things. You have like this direct brand consulting, you have e-commerce. Is there any area where you feel like is your favorite of those to work in? 
Yeah, it's it's funny, man. I've I've thought about this a lot, and I'm uh, I'm a generalist at heart. I I never found that I like to sort of sit still or or zero in on a specific type of work and just sort of be happy, you know, at the desk every day doing that thing. I've always found that like, and and I used to I used to maybe wonder more about that like early on in career stuff and thinking like. And should I just like go for a more steady job? Should I play it safe? Should I, you know, take less risks and like that kind of stuff? But um, it's it's also sort of what's brought me, I think, the most like satisfaction in life is being able to try different things and you know learn what you like and don't like. And I think that's you know whether that's something personal or, or something really business, it's something that's I think applicable for everybody to try in life. But for me, where I think I've landed is that like. You know, I'm a I'm a relational guy, and I love making connections. I love connecting dots between ideas and people, and I love connecting people to people. And so, um, where that's kind of materialized in career stuff is is really around like strategic partnerships, um, collaborations, helping think through mm-hmm. like how does a brand show up from the consumer perspective, and you know who do they align with, you know, from a product or value standpoint, and what can be done there between like brand to brand, brand to creator. Um, personality to brand, however you want to spin it. Um, and the second thing I would say is like, I I see myself as like having you know a vision and level of curation that has grown with me, and I like to share that information in an educational way. And so that's why I think that the newsletter goes well. And a lot of that comes down to just like writing. So I, I write a lot, and writing is kind of the backbone of you know how I communicate. And so yeah, I think connection, people, relationships, and you know, creating content in the form of writing and sharing things that I know are two constants or two mainstays, even though I've done a lot of stuff um, over the years. Interesting. Um, on, on that note, you said like you have a, you like to kind of frame it from how the customer is going to view things, right? I know you're from, you, you said you live in New York, but where are you from? You're from a smaller town, correct? Yeah. So I, I grew up in the South. Uh, I'm from Tennessee originally. Mostly, mm-hmm. mostly grew up in the South, though. And when I left to go to school, that's when I moved to New York City. So spent Interesting. the better part of 18 years kind of in the Southeast. Didn't travel much, didn't fly, didn't get to experience different cultures. Of course, so, yeah. You know, moving to New York City as like an 18-year-old was like the first time that I got to experience a lot of that stuff. I, I think that's funny you say that. Me and Timothy, we talk about it endlessly on the pod, but we're both from smaller towns. Yeah. I'm from a small town on Lake Erie, east of Cleveland. And uh, it's interesting because I, I think personally, and I, I'm sure you would agree, I'm really thankful for that, like, kind of like, not sheltered, but like, I was, I think I flew on a plane once until I was 18 and it was to Disney World and back. Totally. Um, but like, I think it gives me a super unique perspective that people who maybe grew up in a heavily metropolitan area don't. Um, would you agree? Like it kind of gives you a a unique perspective as you're getting into, like you said, you had your job at Barney's, like, are you thankful for the small or for the small town? Or do you feel like it's kind of put you in a place where you have to play catch up? Yeah, this is, I mean, this is something I can talk about a ton with you guys, but there there is, yeah, there is like a, there's sort of a, an interesting conversation to be had around, you know, people who grew up in either the Midwest or like rural parts of the yeah. South or just, yeah, areas that aren't generally populated and how, how that kind of shapes, you know, where you go in life and what you end up doing. But yeah, that's like, I grew up in a super small cattle farming town and like, 
I, I had basically little to no access to culture. Like I like to say that yeah. my, my parents were like pretty strict. I grew up in a religious home and, you know, for better or worse, like that's just how things were. And so like, you know, mm-hmm. when you talk to people who grew up like in the Bronx or in Brooklyn and they you know, talk about what it was like to grow up in the nineties, you know, or the early two thousands when like hip hop was taking shape in the city or when, you know, Supreme was still an underground brand and, what it was like to go to raves, you know, or DJ sets at nighttime. Like those are all sort of cultural moments that shape like a lot of like fashion, entertainment, you know, art, music now. And a lot of that was like yeah. happening then. And it's like, man, my nineties and early 2000s were spent like in this really small town. And so I don't know if you guys feel this way, but in, in a lot of ways, like I feel like I've played catch up and treat myself, you know, like a little bit of a late bloomer with my uh-huh. understanding of things. Um, and, and it's partially like why I write content and try to share stuff the way I do, because I want other people to feel like they have, you know, equal access to how things are the way they are. Um, and so I'm, I'm learning these things kind of as much in real time as, you know, anybody else. Um, so that, that has, I think, been interesting, but at the same time, yeah, I, I have like a deeper appreciation, I think, for coming from that background yeah. because it, allows me to see things from yeah like the progressive like forward fashion forward like trendy place and then also to understand things for when they move slower right um yeah yeah we grew up so yeah you really have to like we've talked about it before but you really have to like want it a lot more you have to like really search it out it's not just available to you you don't see it on the streets you're not really like getting any sort of like live feedback in that in that world that's why we talked about like, you know, like there's, there's so many, like obviously so many negatives about social media, but like what it's done is allowed people. I mean, I really felt this way. I remember the first time there was this, this guy named Joel, if he happens to listen, I owe him a lot. It was like, cause I was still like learning cause I had just moved to Chicago. I was working at a boutique. We had just switched over to doing something kind of different at this boutique. It was more in line with what I'm doing now. I was trying to learn really fast. I mean, I was yeah. like voracious, you know what I mean? I was like really trying to like consume as much of it as I could overnight, but there wasn't, there wasn't as many blogs. There wasn't as many oh, things. And he says, and I was asking him a lot of questions. He goes, you know, you should just really follow like all these blogs. He gave me like a USB stick with the blog <laughs> roll on it. And it was like, Oh shit, this is like, and I went through, I went through like all those old blogs. I mean, you, you'll know the ones that, you know, oh, and it was just, I'd go through each one. I'd start at the beginning and I would just go all the way through it. I mean, I remember when like Jound wasn't even like, there wasn't even that many things there. <laughs> it was still new. You know what I mean? Totally. And it was like, but you'd go through it and you just, I would just consume all of it trying to, cause I felt like the same way. I felt like I had to play catch up. Yeah, and I yeah. think a lot of people probably yeah. weren't feeling that like, it was like, there was always this like, uh, need to do it quickly because I always felt behind and I mm-hmm, needed to mm-hmm. like catch up so I could get people's references. I could get, I could, I could catch up like you're saying. Yeah. And it's really, it's really interesting that like that I don't think really exists anymore. I think that yeah. exists in like our age group and it's not going to exist lower than that because you can find your communities. Everyone can participate yeah. instantly when they see trends and stuff happening and they can capitalize on them. I just like, we had no, we had none of that. You, you'd put stuff on, you're like, I think this is cool, but someone wow, might make 100%. fun of me. I don't yeah. know. You know what I mean? Like I, I saw this online, but I don't know if that's like everybody's well, yeah. vibing yeah. on this. So this is like, this is, so I just, I just got an interview yesterday with um, Lauren Schlossman from throwing this uh, yeah. newsletter. And it was like, in some ways kind of framed around what we're talking about now, which is that like, you know, when, when we were all on the come up and trying to, sink our teeth into personal style and we're super early on in that journey. Like 
there was only a handful of like respectable blogs and outlets that you go to find information and the trial and error of finding your fits and finding your style and the products that speak to you and you know shit that works and shit that doesn't work um mm-hmm. like you you had to go through that part of the journey in order to land where you are um with you know personal taste and style and now it, like the way lawrence described it in, in the interview which i thought was like really cool is like you can skip the line now like you you can almost bypass yeah. because there's so much information and there's so many style voices and so many influencers and there's so many mood board pages and blogs and media outlets like celebrities to follow like everything is everywhere and you can sort of just skip the line um you know and not have to go through you know that that trial and error period and i think that's that's something we didn't have earlier on but i almost would say like it's almost we've almost flipped to the other side of things again because now i feel um, as, cause as I still feel like I'm, I still feel the same, even though it's like, I've been, I've worked in fashion for like, I don't know, 12 or 15 years now. I've, I've run multiple stores that have been successful and, 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 and had like notoriety. And I feel like I've earned my keep yeah. to a certain extent, but it's like, I still feel like inside, I still feel like the same person. I'm still like sensitive to the fact that I feel like I'm behind. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it's just where I'm from. Always. Yeah. So I still follow things this, the way I used to. I still, I still like digest it quickly. I eat like I'm in prison. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, I try to do it as fast as I can. Cause I feel behind. Now, the thing that I think is interesting now though, is all the things I follow. It's so easy now. Yeah. It's so easy. so easy. But now I feel like there's so much noise that I'm back to sort of needing a curated blog yeah. again. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't know who to, I don't, there's so much going on. There's so many voices. There's so many people with strong opinions suddenly and that I'm platforms. not sure yeah. who I'd necessarily, like if you were to say, who do you really respect in that space of like influencing or, or, you know, I, I, I just fa- like fashion style or opinion. Mm-hmm. I don't really know that I'm, that I have like a hundred percent answer for you of who mm-hmm. I think is like a true North because there's so many. And because the opinions have gotten so severe, especially amongst like different forms of influencers, because I think that's how you create, you have to carve out a niche. So they've carved out these super fucking specific niches that are like, I live in here and that's my thing. And that's how I gather my crowd because yeah. I've decided to be that niche. It's like, well, I'm not, I always, I still feel like the whole reason we started Canoe Club was, was a lot the, the opinion was I, nobody dresses one way. So like we, we still get a lot of like, yeah. oh, the curation is interesting. And I'm like, it's interesting because I've just decided that I don't care if it fits together or not. I just assume through eclecticism yeah. it does. Because if I like it and I'm drawn to it, even if I'm not wearing it, it's like it probably all looks pretty good together because mm-hmm. all those brands care about the same stuff and that should matter in, in like a total story. And it's, and it's worked out for us so far. Um, but that's kind of where I'm back to now of like, man, I wish I had like a couple true Norse of like these guys or girls, they're the ones that are really like, like they're, they're sort of leading the, like, I, I agree with everything mm. that they're saying. They're, they're broad enough where there's still, it still feels like mild reporting. I feel like the blogs used to feel that way. Like it felt almost more like reporting, like, uh, yeah. especially when there would be shows and stuff. It was like, it's more like you're documenting what's going on and then sort of having a, an, a, you know, a somewhat of an opinion on it rather than now it's more like, here's my severe opinion about, like we were just yeah. talking about, and I, I'll just, I'm interested to hear how you feel about this. Chase and I were just, um, we bicker basically all day long about things. <laughs> and, uh, we were talking, he, he was saying, I mean, here, state, state your opinion. We were talking about Oscar looks and he was talking, do your opinion. I like. would just, it's just like, to me, it's just a shame that it, 
it's not good enough to be good at your job. You have to show up in a costume and be like the talk of the internet the next day Mm -hmm. for you to feel validated in your efforts. I would assume as an actor or actress, you know, and I, in my opinion, I look at it and it's like, dude, that's a fucking, that's your chance to wear like an expensive ass suit and just look fucking good. Just look handsome. But then it turns into like this contest where it's really not even about the thing at hand. It's about like, how is this going to be perceived on the internet? Who's going to repost it? How, how can I get written up in this article for this look when it's really about like the efforts and the work you put in that entire year leading up to it? You know what I'm saying? Well, it's like, when ASAP Rocky, you know, showed up to the Met Gala wearing the Earl, like, quilted blanket. And it, yeah. it, it, like, that stuff is fascinating to me from the angle of, like, I was having a conversation with somebody about this um, earlier, who, like, asked me a question of, like, what made something iconic? And there's sort of two, there's sort of two ideas that came to mind. Like, first, I think something that's iconic in a lot of ways is, like, rooted in nostalgia, Right. We're iconic for a, a hmm. product that we, you know, love growing up. Like for me, it was like a Nike Cortez, right? Uh, yeah, I couldn't yeah, afford yeah. a pair, but like I saw them on the internet when I was a kid and I was like, fuck, I really want a pair of Nike Cortez or like the Reebok Classics, um, North Face Puffer jackets. Like of course. The, the jacket that your dad always wore growing up, like there's sort of a sense of nostalgia that makes something iconic in the past. And I think, you know, another example would be like 90s airport style. We're, we're nostalgic for things that feel simpler and more innocent or naive, you know, at a specific point in time. And, you know, on the flip side, um, nostalgia now, or sorry, something that's iconic now feels completely different because it's rooted in like a cultural moment going viral. And cultural moments that go yeah. viral happen literally all day, every day. And so, like, how do we really know when something feels iconic versus when something just feels, um, you know, viral? And like, how does it stick with us, right? Like, can you name something within like the last couple of years that you would describe as truly iconic versus things that we would maybe deem iconic from like the 20th century? I mean, the answer is no, but I think that, I think that like the issue is, I mean, not the issue. I think just where the art form is at. If you think of, now it's interesting. I also think we're at a kind of a, a strange impasse of the kind of the death of this maximalist phase of like, uh, Louis Vuitton, Bottega, mm-hmm. uh, uh, fucking, uh, why am I not? The uh, Gucci, ever all of those things, these big iconic players in fashion were just, it was all maximalism. Everything. I mean, everything, the down to like Crocs making a big, you know, a, a, like a b- big Balenciaga boot out of a Croc. It's yeah. just, it's like, how can you take something simple and make it as big as possible? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, like, I do think that we're going to start seeing the death of that as, you know, with the death of Virgil, with Daniel leaving Bottega, with uh, Alessandro mm-hmm. leaving Gucci, with, with all these guys who, like, did that thing leaving. I don't know what – I don't really know what I think is next right now because it's hard. It's hard because I'm so used to seeing the biggest, loudest version of something. And I think that's what Chase is responding to yeah, for a while, exactly. especially on, like, red carpets. It's not about elegance. It's about – it's about cutting through noise. Kind of the same thing we're talking about right now yeah. with like the like almost needing new curators because there's too much and I don't know yeah. who to I don't know who to like really trust anymore because it's like there's different there's different niches but there's not people reporting anymore. And I think that that's kind of what's happening here too. It's like I don't know where things will go directly now because it just feels like it's so difficult to reimagine 
what something like a red carpet or, or mm-hmm. any sort of thing like that would look like after that phase. Cause it's so big and it's so loud. And I think, I do think a lot of people that have followed fashion and stuff for a long time, like us, I do, I am having sort of a negative reaction to maximalism to a certain extent where, where in the beginning it was like, love it. I love that this is a change of pace. I love that this is playful. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, um, Will Welch in the recent GQ kind of talked about this of like of like yes. a return to elegance and stuff like uh, you know I think that's where it's coming from. Yeah. It's like it needed. I think at the end of the day, menswear needed to do this. Menswear specifically, I don't know about womenswear. I don't know as much about it. I the the arcs and everything, but I would say menswear had to do this. It had to become so big that we could that that suddenly people could like draw back a little bit um, because there needed, there was never playfulness in menswear. I mean, menswear prior to like 2000 somewhere was just drab for the most part. I mean, it was, it was in all, it was, it wasn't even a thing. I mean, you look back to like a lot of like menswear collections that weren't Ralph Lauren on the runway and you're like, this is an afterthought and an afterthought of an afterthought of an afterthought. And it's just like, and it's like interesting that it came into like, especially with like, you know, gender suddenly taking on this new role in fashion, especially as, you know, traditional masculinity has shed its skin. Mm -hmm. And now it's, now it just feels like there is nothing really off limits in, in menswear anymore. Mm. I mean, it's, it's to the point where you see like, you know, someone trying to make a statement like Kid Cudi in a dress trying to do the Kurt Cobain thing. And you're like, no, that wasn't it. But I'm also I, no. I, it's almost like it's not even shocking. Like there's no shock yeah. value to it anymore. Like they're, like there. They're, I don't think. I think that we're like the maximalist response to to, to menswear, especially was just like trying to find shock value. And I think we're all. I think everyone's just sort of all good. Like you're out of moves now. You, yeah, yeah, now yeah. the only way you're going to maybe cut through the noise is be have just have you know immaculate taste. Yeah. To the, yes. I mean, to, to that point, like that's. It's sort of like the the child who's restricted, you know, growing up from being able to do certain things or oh, there's a lot of rules point. in the house. And you normally always go to the opposite end of the pendulum to figure out like what's there. And I think that's how it's felt with, you know, menswear in a lot of ways is that like, you know, traditionally menswear was utilitarian. A lot of menswear pieces that we get happen to come from military wear. And yeah, knowing that like, there was never any sense of like playfulness or uh, or like color attached to men's clothing, right? It was what you wore to your job, right? A suit was what you wore to your job. Yeah. A short coat Great was what you point, wore yeah. to go to the factory. And, you know, all of a sudden, like you have this idea of gender norms being challenged and things changing, like it opened the door for people to explore and try things, right? Like that's what you see a lot of what Alessandro Michelle did with, with Gucci and, you know, bringing yeah. in you know, a person like Harry Styles to champion, you know, that kind of movement. And I think, yeah, there's sort of a course correction to where people maybe are, are dressing for more around like how they feel comfortable and where their tastes and preferences lie, as opposed to just doing it for shock value, because, you know, you, you found the center again, right? Like you, you, you've had the wild mm-hmm. street, you've broke the rules, you've tried shit that maybe worked or didn't work. And then now it's like about, you know, as, as Will maybe was alluding to like, you're finding your space and where you feel comfortable. And I think that's, you know, that's all kind of anybody can, can end up doing with, with personal style. And again, all of that is personal. It's all, it's all, you know, hits you at different ways, at different points and in, in waves, you know, do you feel that you have like, cause I guess right now to me, my compass feels a little bit broken, which is kind of an okay place to be just to be clear. But like do you reset. feel like you have any like true Norths on, on style or fashion or anything for yourself personally, or do you feel kind of the same way? 
I think it's evolving all the time. There's there's yeah. parts of me that I think uh, are drawn to like trends, right? And and mm-hmm. what feels like hot or interesting at the moment. And then there's there's other parts of me that feel like, oh yeah, I'd, I'd rather just like buy shit that I know I'm gonna wear for a while and that I'm not gonna have to change up. Yeah. Like I just bought, um, last year I bought a couple pairs of these um, Beams um, twill double pleat trousers and they fucking fit oh, yeah. so good they fit so good they're, they're originally cuffed but i uncuffed the like um the hem on them to make them a little bit longer because i'm a tall ass dude but like yeah i have worn those things to the ground and they're still in really good shape and so i bought two more pairs of, in different colors and like those are just evergreen pants that i literally wear each season i don't care what yep. i wear it with and like that's for me it's like yeah i'm gonna invest in good style um but then at the same time like I'll buy a t-shirt or a piece of outerwear that maybe isn't going to like, I'm not going to wear it that much. Like I bought like a coming or some K-Way windbreaker that like, oh, yeah, style yeah. Windbreaker. like I don't wear it a ton. Like it's probably a lot more for like a trend fashion piece, but like when I do wear it, right. It, it, it pops and stands out. So I think it's for me, yeah, it's, it's, it's a mix be- between those two. Interesting. Uh, I saw you had a flannel on. What was that flannel? Is it 18 East? Uh, wait, oh, oh, this dude, this is a military jacket I bought at my um, local surplus store. There's a guy in Nashville who has been, he basically, I don't know if he ever was in the military, but he, he basically just like stockpiles all this like vintage military gear and apparel. And like, I mean, it's like a dump in there. There's, you just got to dig through piles of shit to find good stuff. Yeah, and there's definitely yeah. some good stuff, but I found this. Yeah, I found this sort of military camo overshirt that I bought that I'm wearing today. And um, it's like in such good shape. But he says that a lot of like Japanese people come and visit on their like tours trying to find good vintage stuff. And they like clean him out with those like, you know, like the inner lining. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, that like inner liners that you uh, that you can find in like military jackets. Of course. He takes yeah. like they, they'll come and just like take all those. Um, of course. Yeah, so yeah. anyway, that's that's the story behind the jacket I'm wearing. Uh, is there an online shop for this or no? Oh, dude, no, definitely not. No, okay, it, it's it's like that situation. Kind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you got you got to book a ticket to Nashville, and uh, I don't even think yeah. you have like a public address. Like I just stumbled upon it when I was driving on the highway one time, and I was like, oh, this looks cool. Stop in. Sick. He's just like chilling there. But like sometimes that's the best. That's the best place to find stuff. Oh, 100%. of course. Yeah. Like an old, an old head just deep in it. Yeah. Not, not for the sake of internet, just because that's what they've been doing for a long ass time. Totally. And the sense of like pricing too around products is always really funny too. He, um, like uh, he, he had some really rare kind of military overshirt. Like you've seen Orslo, you know, make those over the past few seasons that they'll drop for like, you know, 300 plus. And like, he has stuff like that in there where he's like, yeah, it's going to be really expensive. I'm going to list this one out. And I'll be like, well, how expensive is it? And he'll be like, They'll say like 90 bucks or like hundred bucks. And that's like pricing <laughs> to him. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And it'll be like this super rare, you know, piece from like the 70s. Like, yeah. That's sick. So, uh, so w- what else outside of clothes, man? I know you said you kind of, it's an intersection of culture and style and clothing. Uh, what, what else kind of gets your goat you into? Cause you know, Timothy and I talk about this. We find if you're into clothing, you're probably deep into some other shit too. Are you into like, you cook a lot? Are you into like making drinks or like what kind of, what, what gets you going? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm all the above. I 
love to cook food. Uh, my wife yeah. is my wife is part Lebanese, and um, I've learned how to cook a lot of bomb Middle Eastern meals from her family. Yeah, let's fucking specifically, go. Uh, you know, her grandmother. She calls her Tintu. It's like the Arab name for grandmother, and so um, I've learned a ton through that. And that, like, I don't know. I think that side of like that side of like cooking and food making like you find that it's, it's also like really connected to clothing and music and travel and all this stuff and so um yep. you know years ago we got to go visit her family in lebanon she had a bunch of like extended family who, who never left and came to the states um and and like that trip alone was just like madness it was so it was so incredible to like be in a place that felt like so chaotic but like equally incredible to experience um yeah you know, culturally and like food is so like, I think what I love about food is that it's so like foundational and rudimentary to like each culture. And we don't quite have that with America, mostly because America is like an amalgamation of like so many different people and, um, you know, cultures and nationalities, but like, we're also not that old. So like, what is American food? I don't really know. Um, yeah, I, I feel like I think about this once a week of trying yeah. to think like, you know, what would that be? I mean, I didn't even have, I didn't have hummus, you know, on the topic of that. I didn't have hummus until probably late into college, man. Or maybe even when I lived out here, dude, like maybe once or twice, yeah, you know what I'm saying? No, I had a buddy out here. Uh, I had a buddy come visit me from, from my hometown and he, he and I are one year apart. His neighbor was my neighbor was his aunt. So we grew up together rolling around in the grass and he came out and kicked it when I first moved out here. And I was like, yo bro, let's go to, let's go to the store. Maybe we'll pick up some snacks. And I was like, Ooh, maybe I can get you a little kombucha. And he goes, what's kombucha. (laughs) And it's just like, I love how, uh, again, just like there's still so much for people to take in, especially from those smaller areas. Um, but yeah, man, it's like, yeah, I think travel in general just, has expanded my perspective and yeah, you realize like how small you are. Um, and, and the sort of initial framework of like how the world works built around where you grew up, you know, right. And it makes sense. And if you hadn't had the chance to travel or you haven't gotten the chance to go to different cities or countries or states or wherever it is, like, yeah, your, your framework of living is built around where you grew up. And then all of a sudden you start taking trips and going to different places and meeting people with different experiences and, people who speak different languages and trying different foods and going to different shops. And like, you realize like, yeah, how small your perspective is and how there's a lot to learn from other people. Um, yeah, but it, it feels so big when you're young though. You know what I mean? It yeah. feels like, God, this is everything. You know, I remember somebody in my hometown was going to open a skate shop. What, you know, and it never happened, never came to fruition, but some dude was like, yeah, I'm going to open a skate shop. I'm going to get all you kids on flow. And I remember <laughs> that, that weekend it was like me and my buddies that would hang out at the skate park down at the beach. We were all like, we gotta, we gotta kick it into gear guys. Cause we're about to get sponsored. You know what I mean? <laughs> we're, we're about to get some free gear is what this guy said. Um, and looking back, obviously that never came to fruition. wasn't going to happen, but <laughs> it felt massive in that moment. Oh, I felt sure. like, what the fuck is New York city? We got a skate shop right here. You know, like, bro, I used to make I the, know. I used to make the newspaper in high school, like my town newspaper for like, yeah, I played soccer all growing up. <laughs> oh, same. I'm, we I'm both did. Huge, Timothy and I, huge, yeah, huge soccer fan. But I, uh, like I used to make the paper for like, for high school games. And like, yeah. I, I used to cut out like when my name was mentioned and I like still have 
I still have like little excerpts of when I was mentioned, like, oh, he scored a goal for this or that. And it's just like funny to think back. I'm like, this is like a town newspaper. It wasn't a big deal. But yeah, there's just certain things in life where you're like, your perspective was totally yeah. shifted. Do you still play soccer? I don't. Um, it's been a couple of years, man. I sort of feel like I've given that up. I, I rock climb a lot now more. Um, that's become my thing. But um, Interesting. Yeah, I was going to play in college. And like I just used, I kind of ran through a string of like injury problems when I'm playing. And so no, that's same for me. Like, I was I, I was there. Play, just... But like I won't get as good of an offer to like play in college if I go that route. And I didn't really feel like going to a school just to play college because it wasn't going to be the school that I would have wanted to go to. So I'm like, why would I, you know, get in debt just to say that I played? <laughs> yeah. And so uh, I kind of hung up that dream after after high school. I had a similar situation where it was like I had an opportunity to play in college, but then I had like a small injury that it was basically just going to be like, well, this is a major surgery that's going to take two years to recover for, or you can sort of yep. like <laughs> just bench kind of and, and like jump in now and then. And I'm like, no, what did I, I didn't do all this to, you know what I mean? So I just like, I was just at that point where I was like, I can't, it's already taken up so much of my life as it is. Like I'm just good. 100%. It, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm glad I played growing up and I think it taught me oh, yeah. a lot in general. Um, but now I just, now I'm just a couch critic and I watch my team yeah. is Arsenal. <laughs> I don't know if you guys keep up with the club, but I'm uh, I used guy. to, I'm, I'm real. It's, I'm not, it's yeah. for me. Like I, I love soccer again. It was my, I, I told Timothy, it's probably like the only thing I was like good at if I were to like say, you know, my skills, but, um, <laughs> with soccer, bro, it, I know I, I, this is probably unpopular, but I would love if it was just a little bit more centralized. The NBA is the NBA and the NFL, and this is coming from a dumb American standpoint, but it's so hard for me to know and take in all the information because I feel like there's just too much. You know what I mean? Yep. Like you got to wake up at weird times. And if you're not waking up at weird times, you got to find a way to like have the game recorded or you find it like deep in the internet. It's just like, it, you have to be super intentional, which is something I also really respect about diehard soccer fans is like, yeah. you, if you're up on it, like you're, you're really in it. And that I really respect it just like anything else. If somebody's super into it, but for me, it's so hard to even, it's just too much, too much noise. Yeah. And I mean, those time zones can be, can be brutal. Luckily we're not like in Australia where it's going to be like 1am when teams are playing yeah. in the UK, but like, I'm over here, you know, sometimes waking up at like six in the morning just for like a midday kickoff. And yeah. Like, Damn, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, I will wish I'd gotten extra sleep. I and followed it for a while, but it just became, it just became, I was just looking at it online. Like I wasn't, I was just looking at scores and stats and stuff and I'm like, I'm not even watching it anymore. Totally. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to follow yeah. just the basic information. Exactly. So it just, I just ended up kind of like falling off that a little bit and never jumped back on. No, that's my that's my jam, man. I keep up with the Premier League. Um, yeah, rock climb. I've gotten into rock climbing, I think, over the last few years. And that's been a lot of fun. Um, I mean, I think initially some of that was influenced by style, like, you know, Tempo Dude, yeah. or Granichi or, like, just enjoying those clothes. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, like, I can actually use this for doing outdoor shit, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not just, like, trying to flex. And so <laughs> I've started to get more, like, active with that stuff bro too. you'll have to come climb out here actually a member of our team was a competitive climber for cu oh, yeah, and apparently nice. he's really nice with it but we haven't seen him 
flex his skills. <laughs> we saw, we've seen him climb up a couple things around here. Yeah, but yeah, it's he'll, not, just, he'll just like scale up things. <laughs> yeah, <you know? laughs> I don't know if it's the same thing. I, mean, I know that you. So you've said you've you've done quite a bit of traveling. Do you have like a? I feel like everyone's answer always wavers so drastically in the. But what do you have like a place that you think is just like is it like the your favorite place you've traveled to? Yeah. Oh God, uh, different places for different reasons. Um, sure. sure. But I mean, one place I think that kind of hits, hits the spots all around is, um, is Istanbul. So like Turkey. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, man. I'm Interesting. Go, have a chance to go there, but like, dude, no, Istanbul is like, it's such a like compilation of so many beautiful things about the world that like, it's just hard to describe unless you go for yourself. But like, you're talking about an ancient city, right a city that's deeply religious um a city that kind of sits between the intersection of europe and asia it's like it's separated by this river called the bostrus river um which is like again an old like as old as it gets um and you're kind of situated on the hills so like at night you'll be sitting on a rooftop restaurant and like you just see lights twinkling like all over the city um it's just fucking beautiful the food is incredible um, I think stylistically, like, Turkish style has its own vibe. Um, but then there's also some modern elements, too. Like, there's, you know, a lot of startups and tech companies, you know, headquartered there and that kind of stuff. And so, um, I don't know. I think it's, in a lot of ways, it's just a gateway city between, like, so many different cultures. Um, and I really enjoy being there. So that's, that's one that comes to mind. But others, yeah, others that sort of come in to, um, you know, anywhere in Portugal, um, Hong Kong is an amazing city that I had a chance to go to almost a decade ago. Um, Sick. It's just been beautiful. I got to be on the Kowloon side and then also the Hong Kong like island side. And yeah, just what a beautiful place. Um, Morocco is great. And yeah, I mean, just countless others, but I would say those are the top ones. Yeah, I mean those are those are things that I, I it's it's funny you said that like those are places that in particular where I've thought I really like. It, it like you said, it's like sort of a compilation of so many interesting elements that it's it really is like a top place that I'd like to that travel to, for for all the reasons you said. It's yeah. just it, it there's 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 so many different things happening in one location. It's not it's not just like because like you go to Europe or something and it's like it it's different obviously, but it's not light years Drastic away. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas it's like, whereas like some of those places, it starts to it starts to feel like a, tr- a true cultural shift, and that's that's really what I want from traveling. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, and I think like there's just levels to it, right? Like there's things that feel old here that are only a couple hundred years old. Then you go to Europe and you're like, oh, these things are a thousand years old. These oh yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> feel the Middle yeah. East or the Far East. It's like, oh, these are like thousands of years old. And yeah, uh, it's just, just a whole different world. Knowing the law between those two, I think another thing that's interesting about travel and being in, you know, different places is that like, and not that this has to be like the point anywhere, but it's just an observation I've had is like, which how it's interesting that like every bot, like where you choose to live and what you choose to like and, you know, places that speak to you is also subjective. And like, you know, there's people who like, we're going to go spend some time in Amsterdam in a few months we'll be there for a little while and you know there's people who are going to be like leaving as we get there who are probably going to another city to live in because they're like i'm tired of amsterdam and i need a fresh perspective yeah, yeah. and you know we're looking at amsterdam as like a place that can give us a fresh perspective and uh, i just think that's always interesting how like cities cities do that to you you know like you sort of spend time in a place and 
it sort of runs its course or its circle. Yeah. And you're like, I need to check out a new thing. And I think that, that's why I think travel is so important because it, it shows you that, that stuff and it tells you what you need to, you know, like when you've sort of learned the lesson or made the friend or done the thing, you're like, okay, it's time for the, the next adventure or the next job. Let, let me ask you a question. I've, I'm so curious about this because we have a buddy who who is on the pod and he might be moving to Mexico here in a little bit. And do you have like, do you have like boots on the ground, so to speak? Like, do you have like a connection in Amsterdam or are you guys just kind of, I'm so curious about moving yeah. internationally because it feels for me something unattainable on every level because I feel like logistically it's such a nightmare. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> do you have someone there that has like done it or, or are you just kind of y'all just doing it? I mean, I, I know plenty of people who live there. I wouldn't say that I have like close friends. I definitely don't have family there. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would say I have acquaintances. Uh, the, the first company, the startup that I ever worked at was headquartered in Amsterdam. So I used to go there for work and Oh, dope. that for me was, you know, an opportunity to experience, not just like a different culture, but like a different way of like how people work. And I think the way that the Dutch people like understand work life balance is something that I was always like taken by and wanted to experience more of. Like I could go over there and just the pace of life, it's, it's built around like a community feel versus like a big mm-hmm. city. I mean, it is, it is genuinely like a progressive and cool city, but at the same time you get there and, you, and nobody has cars. Like everybody just uses bikes. And you can get around the city end to end in like 15 minutes. And like you can pop by the you know natural wine bottle shop and grab something or grab some like charcuterie and cheese for a picnic. Or you can head over yeah. to the streetwear store. And like there's just so many different things you can experience in such close proximity. And I think that... It seems very yeah, romantic. It's, it's incredibly romantic. And so like I think that was kind of the main draw for it. And... Uh, and so, I don't know, my, my mindset and my, my partner's mindset has been, like, if, if we like it, we'll just, we'll just figure out how to do all the other logistical shit. We'll figure out how to rent our house out. You just figure out how to um, yeah, know, yeah. Get, the, get the sort of lodging stuff sorted. And, like, there's so many unsexy parts, I think, about travel that not a lot of people, and maybe that's, like, the obstacle for a lot of people. It's, like, traveling is hard. It's not just, like, for sure. you know, yeah. everybody wants to do, like, the, like travel porn videos of, like, where they went and like some cool, you know, trending sound on TikTok and like show you those quick pan shots of the sunset and like, you know, nightlife and all this stuff. And it's like, that's certainly part of travel. And then there's also like a really kind of unsexy part two. And, um, yeah, like, if, like the 28 hours it took to get there totally. and the $1,500 <laughs> $1, it took. And like, to be fair, if you can push through that stuff, like you'll find that like, you know, it's, it's worth it for the other you know, side that you do get to experience. So that's kind of my mindset yeah. about it. Yeah. No, I feel you. Well, cool, bro. Good, good luck with that. Uh, yeah, I hope you. it all works yeah, out. That's very cool. right, but we're, we're to the end of the podcast here where we do a thing where it's like basically hot takes. It's really just, we'd say a random thing and we'd get people's takes on it. Yeah. They, they can be as severe as they want. Or it's more just something where it's like, uh, I don't know, it's just like a fun question. Yeah, it's like a glimpse into yeah. people's brains of nothing else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so today we're doing, uh, this question is like, do you have any guilty pleasures? Like, I really love like just nasty reality TV. Yeah. Um, do you got any, got any like, or, got any real like guilty pleasures? Oh man. I would say I might fall into that category too. My, my. Uh, partner hopes sucked me into like a good old fashioned binge of like Kardashian TV. And I'm like, (laughs) hell yeah, I would never choose this for myself. And then all of a sudden, like you find that you're sucked into some storyline of drama that you're like, how did we get here? 
And at the same time, you know, you, you still want more at the end of the day. You're invested. You got to know. You gotta, so you gotta know. Yeah. It really like the, the Kardashians really gets me every single time. Cause I'll sort of forget about it for a while. Yeah. yeah. And then like, I'll see like some clip somewhere and I'm like, yo, we got to catch up. Something's going on. <laughs> and then I'll get completely caught up. And then you kind of get caught up and you're like, nothing really happened, yeah. but yeah, but they marketed it well. But know? like the, I, I also think that it's like, it's an underrated, like it's really funny. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if it's written or what it is, but it's it really oh, I really sure. get cracked up at that more than other stuff. No, yeah. they get I mean they've got producers running that circuit and like God bless planning out the episodes. <laughs> it's a whole, I would say, production for sure. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Chase? Do you what's I, your, your freak about it? I mean I what I've been doing over the last year in particular, I've been digging back into like music that I was into in like seventh grade. Like okay. under oath and like armor for sleep and shit. <laughs> yeah. um, I pulled up, I got off the highway and some dude was in like a CRV and he was just blasting like an armor for sleep song, like a deep yeah. cut MySpace band type <laughs> shit. And I was like, no fucking way. Yeah. And I just kind of, I just kind of, I feel like, you know, once or twice a week I dip back into something that I really fucked with in like the <laughs> LimeWire Win MX type days, you know? And it's like, oh, yeah. I still think it's cool. Like, I, I like it. It's cool. Uh, we, with a three-year-old, like she really likes like a lot of like, you know, pop music and stuff. So I spend a lot of time with like, it's usually stuff that like is no longer popular, but had a minute. Like it'll be like yeah. old Lady Gaga songs and stuff. And you're like, God, some of these fucking hit. Oh, yeah. And so you listen to them in the car and you're like, damn, rain on me is really ripping right now. <laughs> so like, I feel like that's a little bit of, and so like, I wouldn't go to those if I was sitting alone, but if I'm in the car and she's in the car, we'll turn that up. Bump it. Like, yeah, why bump not? It. Why the hell not? Yeah. I respect yeah, that. You got, you got any like, uh, like, uh, like music that's like a little embarrassing that you still like, we're, like because of where, where we grew up and stuff, we were into hardcore, but it's like, so I think a lot of the stuff when we say like under oath, it's like, it wasn't cool to the real hardcore guys, but it was, it was still, still kind of liked uh, it. Yeah. Yeah. T- totally. Yeah. Like the, the, um, the stuff I was into was like a lot of the punk warped tour type shit. So like, yeah, hell yeah. Let's hear know, it. We, the Kings or all time low or the main. Like, yeah. Bro. That, that was mine kind of more like, I mean, I'm 30 now. So like, yeah, that was same. No, we're, we're talking the same language. Same we're thinking era. same realm as like four year strong, set your goals, yep. mosh type shit. Oh, most yeah. definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 100%. I, I went to Warp Tour 2007 in Cleveland and saw Set Your Goals right after. I can't think of the name. Uh, I'm not gonna be able to think the of the one name. With like, the one where it's like Set Your Goals sometimes would become like pirate hardcore for some reason. Yeah. It's like they had a lot of like pirate themes to what they were doing. <laughs> Wait, I, you're right, and I don't know why, but like I don't disagree. I don't know with if you. it was the imagery or if it was like stuff in the songs, but when I think of that band, I'm always like, yeah, they were like a pirate themed hardcore yeah, yeah. band. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that would not surprise me, and that would fit with the vibe too. So, yeah, yeah, I, it probably. You know what? That would sell albums. Yeah, if someone hasn't done it, I call it doing numbers. I love it. Yeah, yeah. All right, bro. Well, I really appreciate you coming on here. This was a really nice conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, good to get you get to know you a little bit more. Uh, where can people Where can people check you out, bro? This was good shit. I appreciate y'all having me on and uh, looking forward to more fun things we got down the pipeline. Um, yeah, you can find me at Sprezza.xyz. That's my newsletter. Um, S-P-R-E-Z-Z-A.xyz. And then um, my Instagram account is S-P-R.E-Z-Z-A. Gotta love the handle. Uh, 
handle. Sort Sometimes of you gotta funkiness. you gotta freestyle, you know. <laughs> you gotta try, you gotta you make gotta it try, work, man. I know. I was like, who's who is, who is squatting on this damn domain name? <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> bro. Yeah. So well, that's, uh, yeah, and if anyone's if anyone's listening, and, and you know, I feel like a lot of people are still like, even though it's been popularized a little bit, if you're still not sure where to start with like uh, newsletters and everything, yours is a great one to start absolutely. with to get yourself in. So I, I really think that people should check it out if they if they haven't yet. So I do appreciate that, guys. Yeah. Well, it was it was an absolute pleasure. Um, like I said, got more shit coming down the pipeline. So excited to roll those out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, stuff um, cooking. Yeah. Well, stay tuned. Hope you guys hope you guys enjoy a fine Thursday afternoon in the Rocky Mountains. Yeah, you thank too, you, bro. bro. All right, man. We'll okay. talk to you soon. All right. Peace. All right.